0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Well, I'm back in New Hampshire with a very special guest by the name of Cole Mans. Now, you'll recognize the word Mans because yesterday, David Mans, Cole's dad, was on the show. So now we get a different perspective of this business that they're building together. Cole, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm
1: ready. This is going to be fun.
0: All right, we'll have some fun for sure. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Cole? I would probably say I'm a bit of a tech
1: nerd. So when I was 13, I built my first computer.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Little Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> and did that computer uh, end up growing into some major tech business that you got to sell and now you're living in a mansion
1: on some cliff somewhere? Sadly not. <laughs> only uh
0: if- only yeah. Well, you know, what I I just look at that because when I was that age, I mean, th- there weren't computers, you know, it didn't yeah. happen. I don't even think we had a Sony playmen or whatever they call those that would, you know, play a disc back then or a cassette, something like that. So, it's pretty amazing to me that young people these days can do the things they do and get involved in the things that they do. So, uh, but yeah, do you yeah. find that this tech nerdiness of yours is helpful in these older style vehicles you and your dad are building?
1: Um, I'd say in a way, yes. Finding resources online really old forums where people where you have like a really weird specific problem that you're trying to figure out you'll find we're working on cars that were built in the 80s and 90s so if you find old forum posts from the early 2000s where someone's answered a very weird and specific question You're like oh that answer is that would not have guessed so yeah I don't really say it. it's like a like a tech thing for me but just like using the internet to your advantage to find some solutions
0: it's amazing what you can find. I'm I'm continually yeah. amazed. I, I use YouTube for so many things, and I just put in some new LED bulbs in my office here, and I couldn't figure out why they were flickering. And I kept thinking, is there something wrong with my outlet or something? And, of course, my son, who works for Google, said, well, Dad, just Google it. Yeah. And I yeah. did, and I found out that you cannot put on a dimmer switch certain LED bulbs. They don't like it, so they flicker every once in a while, that they make LED bulbs designed for dimming and non-dimming, which... I figured who'd, who'd have thought, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, without the internet, how would you have found that? I so. I know. So I, I thought my eyes were going crazy or something. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so you can learn all sorts of stuff. Well, let yeah. me give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into uh, this fun world that you and your dad are, have created. Cole Mance is the uh, co-owner and co-founder of Manns Motor Company. That's M-A-N-Z, a father and son company that specializes in designing and rebuilding custom land rover defenders for its clients. Little did he know it In 2018, his business career was about to start as he quickly realized during his freshman year at the University of New Hampshire that school eh, was not really in his immediate path. He decided to leave school and start the company with his father, combining his two passions, business and cars, and a little tech nerdiness, as he self-described. If you missed yesterday's show with Cole's father, David, please give it a listen. You can get a different perspective. Now we get the youthful view of restoring these beautiful old vehicles. So Cole, we'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YAH21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word YAH21 at checkout. YAH21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework. I shopped around and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings. Not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866- 24-9324. 224 9324 Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars. Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts, just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Cole, this is gonna be fun. I've had several father-son, oh, father-son teams on this show from business owners to race car drivers and so forth. They even had some uh, mother daughters and father daughters in the case of the Unser's, So I really want to learn more about you and why you decided at this point in your life that it was a good idea to go in business with your father. Cause most people that were at your age, 18, 19 are off to college, which you did, but you discovered eh, not my thing. Most people want to get away from their parents and go out and do something. But you and your dad have a uh, a combined passion for these old cars. So tell me your perspective on why you decided that this is the right path for you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a while ago, ever since I was a, a little kid, me and my dad have always been working on cars. I'd say we pretty much started off with like those big Mercedes Unimog trucks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And my dad loves those. So I just remember working on those with him. And then... um, We got a 1978 FJ40 that was kind of just like our shared fun car that we got to work on together and just took the top off and drove it around. I'd say that's how I got into cars is pretty much working on cars through that. And then just really YouTube videos, too, watching just a bunch of car reviews. And I'd say especially Top Gear, actually. I remember coming home from school pretty much every single day back in like high school or middle school and just watching Top Gear with uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson. It was just a lot of fun. So I graduated high school, and then just like what everyone else does, they, they go to college. It just felt like the normal thing to do is just the next step in your life. So I applied to the University of New Hampshire and got into their business school. I was there for about uh, six months, and I kind of realized, it's like this really isn't for me. I'm not really enjoying it. It's not what I want to be doing. And me and my dad have always been talking about starting a, a business together. He's At the time, he was huge into beer and he wanted to start a craft brewery, but oh, okay. that that fell through at some point. So yeah, I wasn't enjoying it. I was talking to him and then we've always wanted to do something with cars. We thought that would be a lot of fun. So, and it was actually funny how it worked out. So in one of my business classes at UNH, one of our projects was to just come up with a business plan and I was like, eh, you know, I'll do a business plan on restoring defenders and building custom defenders for people and just see what happens. And it turns out that business plan my professor really, really liked. And one day he pulled me out of class after that. And he pretty much just said, why are you in school? Oh, so really? He's like, you're <laughs> clearly not enjoying it. Yeah. And you just came up with this great business plan. And I think it would go really well. And I mean, for me, it was it was great to hear. But at the same time, it was absolutely terrifying of the idea of leaving school and of course, doing yeah. something not on my own but with my dad but it's just, it wasn't the traditional path so it's just it felt weird thinking about that yeah best so that's how we got started just left school ended up doing that and uh yeah
0: you know, your dad talked about this on the show yesterday about his expectations, and I understand because our expectations as parents, and I assume you're not a parent yet, uh, or you may no. be someday, but uh, at any point, as a parent, you have these expectations for your children. And I'm older guy, maybe not as old as your dad, but I have a 28-year-old and a 33-year-old. You know, I was expected to go to college. My dad w- went to college. My mom went to college, and it was just something that you really were supposed to do because if you didn't, yeah. something was wrong with you, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly, And yeah. so I expected that from my children and they did that and they've had great careers. But I mentioned this to your dad and I wanted to get your perspective as a young man. To me, college has changed radically. I think for one thing, it's become massively too expensive for the return on investment. And that's typically either a parent like I did, my wife and I, we paid for our kids' schooling at at huge expense. I think I got my money's worth, but um, I don't know. And for the other side of it is kids that have to pay their own way like I did in college. Nowadays, the debt you get into, I think, is obscene. And so I would love to hear your perspective because you're somebody that takes took that bold move and went out of the norm, which you probably got some pressure from your folks, probably got pressure from your friends going, what are you (laughs) doing? Why would you do this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what's your perspective on what's going on? Now I know you're biased because you decided to do what you're doing and you're successful at it, but I'd love to hear a young person's perspective, maybe as it plays off of your other peers who maybe some are looking at you with a little bit of envy and going, you know what, maybe he is making the right move.
1: Um, There's definitely certain career fields that you need to go to school and get a degree if you want to get into like lawyer, doctor, yeah, exactly, Yeah. 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 But for something that I like that I'm doing, where it's business and working on cars, I I don't necessarily think you need to have a degree. A lot of this stuff you you have to learn by experience and you have to learn by just by just doing it and just figuring it out as you go. So. I mean, I think I've made the right choice. It's been a lot of fun so far and I've learned a ton and I've met some great people. And that's another thing too, is another great way to learn that I found is like when I was learning on how to like rebuild a, an axles differential, I just called up our local uh, transmission and differential shop. They were super nice. So yeah, they let me come over and they showed me h- how to rebuild and they taught me how to do it. And wow, that's what I've learned is just a lot of people are extremely helpful if you just ask, ask questions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. The, the automotive world I've learned after interviewing so many people is I believe very different than most businesses. Many businesses are very competitive. They're very mm-hmm. shielded. They don't want to share anything with anybody. They think that you might take work away from them or somehow, but car people tend to be very open, very helpful and very willing to help. And I mentioned to yeah. your dad Two of my charity of choices here are the RPM Foundation and TechForce. These are two entities that raise and help young people that want to get into the trades that don't want to take a what we would call a traditional path of four-year college with a liberal arts degree or something like that. They want to get into it and learn how to do it. And it's becoming, a, I think, a very viable way to make a very uh, healthy living, but also, more importantly, to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think so many people graduate and they still don't know what they want to do and they have all this debt and this piece of paper that is like, well, what did you want to do four years ago? And some people don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out of high school. I wanted to go surfing. That's what I wanted to do, but I yeah. hard to make a living at that. <laughs> yeah, that was like me when I was in,
1: in school. I was uh, studying business, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do specifically after college. And- right. I don't know. I knew I wanted to do something with business. I've always had a long time passion with that back in when I I started in middle school. Uh, my best friend who actually still helps us to this day with man's motor company, he got me into like collecting and like reselling, uh, sneakers. Oh, cool. So we would buy like collectible sneakers and like resell them on eBay and made a decent amount of money from that back in middle school. And that kind of transitioned, uh, to my freshman year of high school, we actually started like a sneaker convention slash like trading show. So that was like the first real business I started. And I think that's what got me into business and entrepreneurship. It was just a lot of fun growing something from the ground up. And for that one specifically, having hundreds of people show up to an event that you organize is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it sounds like to me you had some business prowess way back when. I used to do the same thing even in grade school. My friend Steve and I started several little clubs and businesses and, and things that we did that we could earn money. And one of them was we would make flavored toothpicks and sell them at school. And, <laughs> That's cool. And, and we put these in these little cases that a friend of mine's dad, who was a medical doctor, had these – he'd throw away these plastic cases and we'd put them in there. But we got – Caught selling those and they shut us down. I guess we didn't have, a, <laughs> I guess we didn't have a business license to do that or something. That's funny. I think the teasers didn't want flavored toothpicks all over the floor in the halls or something like that. But yeah, we make a few bucks, you know, so we could go buy a skateboard or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what I call a driving inspiration for you. Someone who's been a key mentor, influential person, a helpful person in your life. I would say it was
1: definitely. That professor at UNH that uh, I had that business class with and he had me write that business plan because at the time, with him talking to me saying I should pursue this business, it was a very difficult time making the decision to either stay in school with with what I would say would be a pretty traditional, normal path or drop out and just go down the non-traditional path and start my own business was a very, very scary time for me. So I talked to him a lot at school and I think he made... He helped me with that decision a lot. I don't. If I didn't have him as a professor there, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today. Because even at that specific time, my dad thought I should stay in school because it's, it's what you do. Of course. But he was the one really pushing me to pursue this business. So, so, yeah, I'd definitely say him.
0: Pretty amazing. Because you think about professors typically, well, they want kids in school. That's how they make their living. But yeah. the, the fact that he saw that in you and gave you that encouragement... I can't say any professors. Well, I did have one in, I was double majoring in business and graphic design. And I asked a professor if I could do real projects versus school projects because I was actually making money doing real graphic design projects to pay for school. And he said, yes. And after that semester, he said, why are you even here? Yeah, yeah. And I go, well, I've only got one more year to go. I can't quit now. You know, I've spent all this money. But my senior year, I just kind of, worked more than i went to school but i you know got through and did it but it's that's pretty fortunate that you had him in your life yeah
1: i'm very thankful for that because again I, like without him i just wouldn't be where i'm at today so there was no other professor that i had at unh that was pushing me to do this Cause i kind of brought it up to a couple others that i i felt close with and is kind of the traditional thing just uh, just stay in school graduate get your degree and just see where you're at after school and i was right. like uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, right,
0: right. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of time and a lot of money, and yeah. You know, uh, I think for many people, and you know, I, I was teaching at the beginning about being an Elon Musk, but you think about <laughs> some of the really greats that left and became uh, very successful, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. I mean, there's a lot of those folks that just said, you know what? I don't want to waste my time here. I, I know what I want to do. And I think for school, for and I don't want to dismiss school because I think it's important for my children. It was a great experience. I'm very proud I was able to provide that for them. And for some young people, they really did have no clue. And yeah, school yeah. could lead them down a path that they never dreamed. For my wife, it was engineering. Um, you know, she was told by a, a professor, You're really good at math and no one ever told her that before. And she went well, I guess I am. And she got an engineering degree, became became an uh, an engineer. And to this day, I I don't know how she does it, but her fun is doing math puzzles. And I just go, (laughs) no, (laughs) thanks. But she loves mathematics and science and all that. So I think it's a great thing. And was that, you know, I always ask my guests about a big challenge. Was that really so, cause you're still a young guy, you've got plenty of challenges ahead of you in life, but, uh, but was that your, that your biggest challenge to date was dealing with that, that, Should I stay in school? Should I not go to school? Was that it for you?
1: Yeah, I would say it was. It was definitely just one of the hardest decisions of my life. I thought choosing what school to go to would be the hardest, but that was quickly uh, outweighed by if I should leave school or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'll have to ask you this then. At this point, because you guys have been doing this for a couple of years, did you Uh make the right decision?
1: So far, I'd say yes, for sure. Um, It's been a lot of fun. I'm learning a ton, which is always fun. I always love to learn new things. But yeah, and even just the people we meet, it's just a lot of fun doing that. And to be honest, I I can't imagine myself in school right now.
0: Well, you know, I'll tell you, Cole... I've talked to so many people that made a transition later in life that maybe had very good careers. I have good friends that had very good careers. Some of them were very profitable, I should say. They made a lot of money, but they they weren't really doing what they liked. And they were living for the weekends and living for retirement. And you might not get that weekend or that retirement. You may not make it to that point, Uh, not to be morbid, but you might not. So why give up so much of your life and do something that you really don't like to do. And being a young man still unfettered with, you know, a spouse and kids and a mortgage and all those things that start to really tie you to your career, to be able to learn at a young age, which is really important to you uh, is a pretty special treat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I forgot to mention is when I was talking to that professor, he was in his office talking to him about this decision and the pros and cons of it. And if I should do it or not, He, he opened the door he looked outside, and he pulled in this adult who I thought was one of the like UNH faculty members and turned out to be a student. Oh. He was in his mid-30s. And was, I forget exactly what he said, he's like, Cole, if, if it doesn't work out, just come back to school. Well, yeah. Like, what's the difference of going to school if you're in your uh, late teens, early 20s, or if you're in your early 30s? So and to me, that meant a lot. I was like,
0: well, it's
1: a good point.
0: Right. It gives so. you that freedom to take that bold step and be brave and do that so uh my hat's off to you for for doing that i don't know too many young people that would pull it off nor and i told your dad this my hat's off to your dad for uh accepting that i I know it was hard for him he talked about it but the fact that he accepted it and he didn't force you because a lot of parents do that and then the kids become resentful and then you create this barrier and it's wedge and it's just not good so
1: yeah i'm I'm surprised he let me leave school, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Well,
0: it was hard. I, You know what? You'll be a parent maybe someday if you decide to be. Uh, it's a hard thing because you. even today I have to stop myself sometimes when my kids are doing something that I go, ah, that's their life. They're an adult. They're at a different place. The time is different. The world is different. Let them do their thing. If they come to you with questions and advice, that's great. But otherwise, let them learn. Let them be, you know, unless you are doing something illegal and you want to step in and go, hey, (laughs) cut it out. Exactly. (laughs) Don't do that. When you look ahead at your business that you and your father are building, let's just say, and I don't want to go too far out because you have things like COVID thrown at you and world politics. And now, uh, heaven forbid, a horrible war that's going on in Europe. I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime again. Uh, Let's talk about a bucket list. Where do you see your guys' business? Let's just say in the next couple of years.
1: I'd like to expand it right now. It's just me and him. And it is a lot of fun just being a father and son business and going into going into work every day and just working with my dad. But so yeah, in the future, I mean, I'd like to have a handful of employees just to be able to produce more cars a year because just building a car from the ground up, we start with just a galvanized chassis with nothing on it. And then a few months later, you have a car that you know, you've hand-built and it's even more special because it's me and my father have hand-built ourselves um it's incredibly satisfying seeing that come together and especially when we deliver a car seeing the joy on the people on people's faces is it's in- incredibly satisfying seeing that and i i'd like to be able to build more cars a year and to have more of those experiences it's just a lot of fun and especially building a lot of different varieties of cars that suits people's needs because everyone has different needs whether it's they want to do like a hardcore off-roader is very different than if someone said, I just want a fun car to cruise around in and bring my family to the beach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, I've interviewed hundreds of fabricators, builders, restorers, people that do this for a living. And my encouragement to you and your dad, and to you in particular, would be reach out to those people that have figured it out and have done it. I had uh, uh, Jason Manns on the show just last week, and he's got a shop now that he's a fourth generation uh, restoration shop. Now, he's it started with his great-grandfather as a repair shop, but now they do high-end custom builds of cars. And I think he said they have like 40 employees, and they do 50 cars, and I mean, just a huge deal. But to get to that point, there are steps and things. I'd encourage you guys to reach out to people that have already done it and find out what those motions are. Because what I've found is a lot of people, and you have a business – concept in your brain is they forget about the business side and they just focus on the fun side. And then all of a sudden when you start hiring, you've got HR issues and insurance issues and unemployment yeah. issues and you know, L&D, I mean, all these different kinds of things that come into play that make it not so much fun. But uh, reaching out to those folks that have figured it out, I think that's the way to do it.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to have to in the future just because hiring people is just such a major step where now people are now relying on you. For, for a living. And that's it's a burden. A, it's a huge responsibility, and that's why we've been so reluctant on it so far and haven't really thought too much about it cause it's, we just haven't wanted to... I haven't wanted to deal with that yet. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it yeah.
0: does. It, I, I ran a company and we had at one point over 100 people and, yeah, late awake at night worrying about people. I mean, people yeah. that, you know, were not doing well. They had family problems or people that were misbehaving and you had to deal with it or uh, payroll, making payroll and sale. Uh, yeah, it adds a whole nother layer of complexity that yeah. makes business not much fun in some ways let's talk about a special vehicle for you is there a special vehicle so far now you're a young guy so probably haven't had too many vehicles in your life but is there one that stands out
1: definitely my first car it was a 1978 toyota land cruiser and fj40 mentioned that earlier yeah just on on the weekends or on this during the summer just driving to the beach with all of my friends loading them up into that small car it was just a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. There's some uh, folks I've had on the show that restored those cars in particular. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh they were they were very popular for a while there about fifteen years ago, and then they kinda waned and then they've come back. And of course, uh you may know of Jonathan Ward, yeah, uh, icon. Yeah. I mean, that guy, yeah, he he would be a guy to talk to, and he's a wonderful oh, yeah. he's a wonderful guy and yeah. always willing to speak with people and help people. Um, he's built quite an empire with his uh FJ business and so forth. So fun stuff. He was my seventh guest on. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had him That's back. he cool. had him back once when he was doing some different things, but uh, very cool. Yeah. I had a good friend that had one of those. We had a lot of fun going off road in that thing down to Baja, California <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to be your car psychologist here and crawl into your skull. If you were uh, reincarnated as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why? Let's see. I'm going to go with a Koenigsegg. <laughs> okay. Now here's something fun. I asked your father, and I'm going to ask you the same question. He answered that question. And I said, how about coal? What would <laughs> coal be? And he said he would be something fast and expensive. <laughs> you you <laughs> didn't <nailed> disappoint. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so what makes you a Koenig? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd say their attention to detail and they're extremely focused, built, and like purpose-built vehicles i think those cars are absolutely stunning the one it's such a random part to point out but their door hinges if you ever get the chance to see a a, the door hinge on one of those cars it's crazy yeah
0: yeah um incredible incredible vehicles and i've I've been able to be around a few of those things and uh was it was at an event i got hired to come and uh be a mc in an event and they had one there and got to go for a ride in it and it was like (laughs) oh my gosh i mean yeah they are jewelry really yeah yeah i haven't had the opportunity to
1: be in one yet but hopefully one day
0: yeah they're uh quite outstanding and I, You know, to me, I almost look at them and I go, do people that have these really drive them? Do they really? You know, it's, I'd be scared to death, I think. I mean, maybe that's because I look at my pocketbook and what those cost. I'd be afraid to damage the thing. But Oh, um,
1: my God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to flip the question on you a little bit like I did with your dad. If your dad was reincarnated, what's your perception of what kind of vehicle would your dad be?
1: I would definitely say one of those cars I mentioned earlier, Mercedes Unimog.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting car because those are something that were really never imported here. And a lot of people, you say Mercedes Unimog and they go, what's that? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I'd say that just because I'd say kind of just like the car I said, purpose built and given it's a a diesel truck. And I'd say just, he just gets stuff done and, and we'll just go and go and go similar to that truck
0: he said he was a diesel truck so you nailed it i think i think you guys know each other so yeah very cool so how about a great book are you a reader do you enjoy business book fun books enjoyable books fiction nonfiction?
1: the books i've been reading are a lot about like just business books just so i can expand my knowledge but i'm not going to say one of those i'm going to say a podcast that i absolutely love okay and it's called how i built this it's an npr podcast where their guests come on and they're the owners of major companies and they just tell their story about how they grew that business and how that business started. And it's just a lot of fun listening to how all these different businesses were started and how people have such crazy different stories on how they started their business. And you just learn a lot from listening to stuff like that.
0: Very cool. I'll put a link to that on Cole's show notes page on the CarShout website. So I'm going to Enable you to go on the ultimate drive today. I'm going to buy you any vehicle in the world. Doesn't matter what it costs. You can be with anyone in the world, and you can go anywhere in the world. Now, this person could be somebody living or someone who's passed. So you could bring up somebody from the far distant history or who knows where. So what does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you, Cole? Let's see.
1: I would say I'd go on a drive with Matt Farah. Okay. Definitely Matt Farah. Coming home from school, all I would do is cars. And I remember just watching his car reviews on YouTube just every single day. And I'd say that's how I learned a lot about a lot of different cars and stuff. Um, so, yeah, and I'd say we'd take a Ferrari F40 for sure.
0: Ooh, a Ferrari F40. Okay, kind of a little old-school analog car.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I saw, I saw I don't know why it clicked with me, but I saw one earlier this year, and I was like, that is absolutely stunning. I've seen them in the past, but for some reason, this time when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I love this thing.
0: It's kind of fun how vehicles, your perception of vehicles change over time. And cars that you maybe didn't pay attention to, all of a sudden you pay attention to, or cars that you thought were really cool, all of a sudden kind of go out of uh, flavor, (laughs) if you will. Uh, (laughs) Matt's been a guest on the show here. And the F40, to me, I got to drive one once, and it, it was an incredible experience because when you put your foot down that car turns into something completely different. Yeah. It's basically like an F1 car with a street body on it is what it is. It's just a monster, a beast, a scary 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 fast car. Um I love the design. I think it's beautiful. The only yeah. probably the only other well other than older Ferraris I would like other than that might be an Enzo. Yeah. Just because I had the designer, uh, the Enzo, on the show here, and I learned a lot more about it. He's a Japanese designer, but I'd love to have both of those in my garage. Yeah.
1: It's funny. I was going to say Enzo, but there's something about the rawness of an F40 Mm -hmm. that I have to go with the F40 here.
0: Well, and even if you look at an F40, the build quality or lack of— uh, <laughs> I was
1: gonna say the roughness yeah. of it yeah. compared
0: to a new Ferrari, which is built like a new car. Yeah, exactly. um, even my son got to spend a summer in a shop working on a Daytona, and he would come home at night and go, "God, those guys don't build very good cars. They look really good, but you start to take them apart, and they're kind of crummy underneath." <laughs> you know, <laughs> he said, "the the front of this car was a half inch off from the left side to the right side." And I said, "Well, they were hand built by guys, you know, that were." Drinking Chianti, I guess. (laughs) You know, I don't know (laughs) what they were up to, but
1: That sounds very similar to the Land Rover defenders that we restore. Uh, One is so different. No two are the same. No, and they
0: weren't really built, you know, they were built just well, they were just built to be rugged and beat up. They didn't worry yeah. too much about stuff. So yeah, body panels not fitting right right out of the factory and things rusting before they even got to the showroom if they oh, ever yeah. got that far. So, well, <laughs> you've taken us on a fun ride today, Cole, and it's really fun to have fathers and sons and fathers and daughters and mothers and daughters on this show to get different perspectives. Before I let you go, could you share maybe an inspirational quote with us?
1: Yeah. So back in high, this one was mainly for me back in high school and, when I was at college. It's from Mark Twain saying, I've never let school interfere with my education. <laughs> and that was, that was a big one for me just because I've always loved learning. And I would say most of my learning was done outside of school. Even bring back the beginning of the podcast when I was 13 and built my first computer. I did not learn how to do any of that in school. And then same with working on cars and starting a business. None of that was learned in school. So when I heard that quote for the first time, it it really stuck with me.
0: I love it. Great saying. How can people learn more about Manns? And again, that's M-A-N-Z Motor Company.
1: Yeah, they can go to our website at mansmotorcompany.com. Uh, we have our email and phone number on the Contact Us page there. Uh, or they can visit us on Instagram at co.
0: There you go. I'll put links to those on Cole's show notes page. And again, if you missed my talk with Cole's father, David, yesterday, you can go back and find it on the carsia yeah website or any podcast mobile device cole thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing your experiences uh you're a fortunate guy to get to uh, be building a business with your father what a special treat until you and i talk again in fact your dad mentioned we might uh, all meet up during car week he's going to be taking you to pebble beach i guess maybe i guess yeah maybe i gave away a secret i hope not but <laughs> no. at, at any rate hopefully we can all meet up there this summer i'll see you down the road
1: yeah thank you it was a lot of fun being here
0: you're welcome If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, and their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs, and they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM of Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today.